You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going on, everybody? This is Kyrie Thompson with another episode of First in Foxborough. Still doing a little bit of post-mortem on that just unbelievable loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. 30 to 24 at the last second on a play that I'm sure all of us will remember it will live in infamy and looking forward a little bit to what the Patriots have going forward, which I've got to be honest with you does not look terribly promising, but first let's, let's go back a little bit and revisit that game on Sunday. I know you probably don't want to, I don't terribly want to do it either, but there are a couple of things I just want to empty the notebook on here in going forward and assessing, first of all, where the Patriots are and where things are headed going forward. So look, I have talked about this both in written form and on the airways, and I'm sure I'm going to do it again on Tape Tuesday with Mike Mutnansky at weei.com tonight. But look, I've been hard on the coaches. I've been hard on the coaching staff. They deserve it. But let let's put some blame where it certainly belongs, which is on the players. And I know I've seen a lot of former players talk about this, like how can some of these guys be so stupid to have made the mistakes that they made? Everybody going back to Pop Warner would know, you know, not to lateral the ball in a tied game in the last seconds. And you know what? You you might well be right. You might well be, you know, be coached better than, than that. But, you know, let, let's talk about the players for a second, okay? Because we were hard on them for things like, the blocked punt that happened. And it looks like what happened there was that the players got distracted by the clock situation because apparently the, the clock did not, the play clock did not get reset. It was ticking down and the players thought that it should be bumped. And so they were apparently looking at the officials to bump the clock, which apparently it was bumped back up late to, I believe like 25 seconds, but Joe Cardona, the long snapper did not see that at the time. He thought the clock was still ticking down. So he snapped the ball before Adrian Phillips and Jabril Peppers, who were still kind of looking to make sure that the clock got reset. They weren't paying attention. He snapped the ball. Joe Cardona did before they were ready, which then allowed the Raiders to come in and block Michael Pilardi's punt, which was a big play in the game. So obviously, I mean, that's that's a tough luck sort of play. You still kind of put that on the players more than just like, okay, that was a scheme breakdown by the coaching. Really unfortunate stuff. And then with the red zone drive early in the game, look, some of that is coaching. Obviously, you're wondering why Bill Belichick was saying that the play that he called a timeout on that took away a touchdown pass to Jacoby Myers. You're wondering why he said that was a bad play. I mean, there, there are any number of reasons that he's not going to tell us that we're probably never going to know about. I mean, they, something about the play, they didn't like the look. They didn't like an alignment or something that the, that the Patriots um, you know, looked like when they got to the line of scrimmage. Something about it wasn't right, so they called a timeout. They made that decision. Um, it still doesn't change the fact that they threw a touchdown pass on that play. I mean, yeah, the, the, the whistle was blown or you know, the play was blown dead before the play, but it didn't look like anybody else knew that was happening. They played it like it was live and touchdown pass was thrown, gets taken off the board. And then obviously you have the coaching issue of the play not getting in fast enough on that fourth down. Mac Jones gets frustrated, just gesticulating towards the sideline and all that. But then on the actual fourth down play where – Jonu Smith then gets 
flag for false start when Mac Jones jumps over the pile and, and gets the touchdown there. I mean, that's on both of them. First of all, yeah, Johnu Smith is, is coming out of a timeout. Okay, Johnu Smith needs to know where he's supposed to be. Is he supposed to be on or off the line of scrimmage? He was still figuring that out. I mean, that's something that happens across the league. Obviously, it happened in that Washington Commanders-Giants game. Very controversial play at the end of that one where Terry McLaurin's trying to figure out, okay, look, am I, am I off the line of scrimmage enough? Am I where I'm supposed to be? This kind of thing happens, but again, out of a timeout, you want to see better execution right there. But look, you still have plenty of time on the play clock. I know it's supposed to be a quick snap play, what have you, but I think you still got to be better than that, Mac Jones. You got to look, you've been doing this a long time. You got to make sure everybody's set, everybody's where they're supposed to be. Then you jump over the pile. I don't know that a second or more extra was going to affect the outcome of that play negatively. Could be wrong, but you still got to take some responsibility on the player's for on the quarterback's shoulders specifically for that. Then, obviously, at the end of the game, look, Jacoby Myers and Ramondre Stevenson should know better than to do what they did. You should know that you're not, and they said they knew they weren't losing, okay? So they panicked, right? They were running down the field, and Ramondre Stevenson was trying to be a hero there, and just like, hey, we got to extend the play no matter what. I got further than I thought. Maybe we can make the end zone here. And Jacoby Myers clearly did not expect that ball, did not want that ball, and decided to do the best thing that he could think to do in that moment, which is to get the ball back to Mac Jones, who, you know, for better or worse, he's he's the, the center of the offense, the leader of that offense. And he looked for the first person he could find, and he threw it there. And it was obviously a terrible decision. It resulted in a terrible loss. What have you? You got to know your your football players. You've been playing for a long time. You got to know not to do that in that situation. All of that being said, the coaching staff clearly assumed things about situational football that their players knew that they did not know. And I feel like that still falls on the coaching staff. You still have to you still have to say, look, if we're going to run this draw play, just get down. See if you want to see if you can draw a face pass penalty or, or some kind of you know late hit out of bounds penalty, then you go ahead and do that. But hold on to the football. I'm sorry, you still should give that you still should give that guidance if you're going to go ahead and run that play. If you're not going to take a knee, if you're not going to attempt the hail mary, which we'll get to that in a minute, you still to to me you need to do that. And the fact that they did not, that they took it for granted, that everything was just going to be fine because, oh, yeah, they know what they're doing. That, to me, is is still not quite acceptable from the coaching staff. You still have to give them some blame for that. And, yeah, everybody's talking about it. it's not very Patriots-like and, oh, they've been masters of situational football all these years. And you gave Bill Belichick credit for that. You gave Bill Belichick and his coaching staff credit for how good their situational knowledge of football was. And how smart the players were. He got credit for that. And now he can't get credit or he can't get the blame for when the players have repeatedly failed at situational football this year. That all of a sudden, oh, they're, they're stupid now after all those years of them being smart. Now, now they're dumb. To me, that that ain't it. I feel like this has been unfortunately kind of a lazy job from the coaching staff again taking those things for granted and you could say like we have a harp on those things all the time they probably do but i think that in that situation especially if you're going to run a play 
where you're saying, you know what, let's go ahead and just give it to Ramondre Stevenson. He's our best player. He's going to go down the field and we'll see if we can get a penalty out of it and get us closer for a closer shot at the end zone, you know, for an untimed down, what, what have you. Essentially what you're saying is you're hoping for a miracle. You are hoping for Ramondre Stevenson to be a superhero and break a bunch of tackles and make something out of nothing right there. That That's just going to uh, that he's going to provide you some kind of miracle that the other team is going to make a mistake that is going to give you that extra opportunity that you're looking for, as opposed to, you know what, if you really want to be secure with the football, you really want to make sure nothing bad happens at this point when it's that far away from the end zone, you're on your 45 yard line, you know, you can just take a knee and go to overtime if that's what you were playing for anyway. If you thought that, you know, okay, well, we'll just go to overtime here. It's fine. We'll try to win there, see what we can do. You could have just gone to overtime. But you decided that you wanted to let your players try to make something happen and be a hero. And you didn't give them the guidance to say, look, okay, if if you're if it's not gonna work out, just get down, man, or get out of bounds, see if you can if if you can, you know, trick you the, the guy into hitting you late out of bounds, you know, play coy along the sideline. Look, in the end, that's all on them because they put the players in this situation to run this play and play it out. And yeah, it didn't work out, but it never had to get there. It didn't have to get there for so many reasons. And again, this game does not just come down to the one play that everybody's talking about. I get that. I've said that before. I think we all need to understand that context. But you you have to blame the coaching staff for this. In the end, attitude reflects leadership. The coaching staff is leadership, okay? They are in charge of this operation. Therefore, they deserve a big part of the blame when it's not going well. Yes, blame the players for the individual execution, the individual mistakes that they made on this specific play. Yes, absolutely. Okay, it is not the coach's fault that Ramondre Stevenson decided, oh, I'm going to go lateral this. And it's not Jacoby Myers' fault, or it's not the coach's fault that Jacoby Myers decided to throw that 20 yards behind him to Mac Jones. That in particular, those specifics, those individual choices are not the coach's fault. They didn't do those things. They were not on the field. They were not telling them to do that. It's funny. There's actually an image on USA Today where you know, Jacoby Myers is throwing that football and Matt Patricia is trying to yell something to him. I, you don't know what it is, but you have to be thinking in that moment, he was like, oh, no, 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 please, God, don't do that. Sure, blame the players for those decisions. But the fact that they were in that position to begin with, running that play, that is on the coaches. And it is on the coaches to me that it wasn't clear to them, do not do anything stupid. If it's not there, just get to overtime. Fall back on that training. Fall back on that message. Because I think that if they had done that, if they had given them that explicit message, do not try to be a hero, then I don't think they would have tried it. But you know what? They took it for granted and you got bit in the ass for it. That is what it is. Now, another thing that's come out of this that I find a little bit frustrating is now the conversation around Mac Jones in terms of things that are not under his control to me. I think if you want to criticize Mac Jones, criticize him for being bad in this game, in terms of being 13 of 31 for 112 yards, 
missing an easy touchdown to Johnny Smith. It was just completely non-competitive throw, throws it off the football field. Blame him for that. That's fine. Blame him for you know throwing high over the seam to, to Jacoby Myers. And yeah, bounces off his fingertips. I'm sure they say if, if it hits your hands, you got to catch it. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But that was a bad throw. Okay. Blame him for things like that. But don't blame him for not making a tackle on Chandler Jones. That guy's got him outweighed by 50 or 60 pounds. Okay. And he's he's a better athlete than Mac Jones. Mac Jones should never be in that position where he has to tackle a defensive end coming just straight at him like that. As soon as Chandler Jones caught that football, I knew it was over. I knew Mac Jones wasn't going to be able to do anything. What do you want him to do? Break that pass up? You want him to bite the dude's leg off on his way to the end zone and and just hang on to him for dear life? Okay, sure. You you go ahead and you be mad at him for that. Whatever. I mean, that just not practical to me. That's the last thing you should be mad at Mac Jones about. There's so many other things that you could be upset with him about. That play, whatever, man. I mean, he shouldn't be in that position to begin with. The other thing that's been getting me is this whole Hail Mary talk that we now have had multiple days. Well, first of all, Bill Belichick you know, stoked the discussion of, you know, okay, somebody asked him why not do a Hail Mary, and he said couldn't throw it that far. Seemed pretty explicit to me. And then the next day he says, oh, it's just too far to try that play. And he didn't elaborate on why it was too far to try that play, and he left it for everybody to interpret. And so now we've gotten multiple days of talk show radio and all of these discussions about whether or not Mac Jones has the arm strength to attempt that throw. And oh my goodness, Mac Jones has such a noodle arm. He's terrible. He sucks. Can't even give his team a chance to win in that situation. Look, first of all, any NFL quarterback that that is in this league, even the backups, can throw a ball 55 yards or 60 yards if, if they are given time to do so. And probably given conditions. I mean, in cold weather, probably only like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or somebody with that kind of arm strength is getting the ball there because the ball just flies differently in cold weather, which might've been part of the calculus there. Then you also have to talk about the fact that you have to protect Mac Jones and make sure that he's not getting hit, that there isn't a strip sack because if there's a strip sack and a fumble recovery by the defense, nobody can stop that guy. Most likely that's going to be a game ending touchdown. And you're having the same discussion as you're having right now. I'm sure that was part of the risk calculus. But look, man, Mac Jones could have made that throw. He believes he could have made that throw. His teammates could have made that throw. And I found video proof that Mac Jones probably could have made that throw. Because last year, in week 16, with you know fourth and long desperation situation, the Patriots are losing. And I mean, they, they would go on to lose this game against the Buffalo Bills. Mac Jones basically attempted a Hail Mary. He took a shot towards the end zone in desperation time, down two scores. And he did it from the New England 42-yard line. So keep in mind here, this is the this play against the Raiders took place at the 45. This throw that Mac Jones made last year at Foxborough in, in you know, cold weather, cold conditions, went, went from the 42-yard line to about the... Buffalo two and a half yard line. You could say the two yard line generously, but it was definitely inside the three. I calculate that to be about 55 and a half yards. So 
if you have a situation where Mac Jones is you know, scrambles around, buys time, what have you, gets outside the pocket, and then decides to take a running start towards the line of scrimmage and cuts it loose from there with a mo- with momentum going toward the end zone. He could have made that throw. It might have barely gotten there. It might not have been the prettiest looking throw in terms of having lots of loft, like an Aaron Rodgers type throw from there. Maybe it doesn't look quite as pretty, but it could have gotten there most likely, even if it barely gets there. Now, again, the quality of the throw is something that they probably wanted to take into account. Is it going to be a flat throw? Is it going to give you a chance to to post up and come down with it? Is it going to be kind of easily interceptable like that Buffalo Bills throw was? Or even if it travels 55, 56 yards, is it going to give our guy a chance? So you could understand if you take all these factors into account, perhaps that's why they decided not to attempt that throw. It wasn't necessarily that Mac Jones does not have the physical arm strength to do so because he does, and you could go watch that play, and you could see that he does have the the baseline physical capability to throw a ball 55 yards. He also has the baseline capability to throw the ball 60 yards because I've seen it in person. I have literally seen with my two eyes Mac Jones throw a ball that traveled 60 yards in the air. That's a thing. That happened. I don't know if he's going to do it in, in cold weather, or you know, again, he was he was doing that in in practice where they couldn't hit him and kill him. So that's another thing to keep in mind. But this discussion to me has kind of gone off the rails here because it, it's now become this thing of you know Mac Jones doesn't have the the an NFL arm. I mean, I feel like we've seen enough examples that he does in order to put that to bed. Is it Justin Herbert? No, of course it's not Justin Herbert. It's not Patrick Mahomes. There are three guys in the league that have that kind of arm right now. Three, maybe four. So we got to stop acting like everybody has has that level of arm and it's only Mac Jones that does it. That's not a thing. So again, if you're going to criticize Mac Jones, feel free to criticize him. But the idea that we're now talking about the fact that he's got such a pop gun arm that he can't reach the end zone from 55 yards out, that one, no. I'm not I'm not behind that. I feel like we should stop talking about that. There's plenty of evidence that that is not the case. Okay, let's put that to bed. Let's talk about what's going on with the Patriots going forward here on out. I'm going to be straight up with you. I think that it's more likely that the Patriots lose out from here than it is that they win one game. Now, I say that though, let me throw a caveat in there. It is possible that the Bills wrap up the number one seed by the time week 18 rolls around. They're they're dueling with Kansas City for the number one seed right now. So, And if the Bills were to wrap it up, or if they are assured either the one or the two seed, then perhaps they say, well, whatever, we'll go ahead and rest some guys. Like for, like for example, what, what if it ended up being the, the Bills were assured the number two seed and the Patriots were battling for the number seven seed. And they were just like, whatever, man. We know we're going to beat you in Orchard Park next week anyway. So we'll go ahead. You go ahead and have this one. And we'll come beat your ass when you come here next week. That could absolutely be a thing. I, to me, that's the only scenario in which I see them actually winning a game from, from here on. Or at least that, that I could pencil that in. Like, okay, they, they might win that game. 
I don't think they're going to beat the Bengals. I think the Bengals are they're hot right now. They're playing good football. They have Joe Burrow playing with a ton of swagger. They've got their full complement of wide receivers back. And, and the Patriots, again, can't guard those guys. So I think that this is just too good of a team for them to beat. I don't expect it to happen. It would be amazing if it did, but don't count on it. The Dolphins, look, Tua hasn't been playing terribly well, and he doesn't play the Patriots particularly well anyway, if we're going to be honest with you. But again, they, they can't beat this team right now. Tua's 3-0 and against them right now. Is there a 4-0 now? I think it's 4-0. Yeah. Yeah, it's 4-0 now. So, and, and then the Dolphins are a better team. They are a better team than, than the New England Patriots. So I don't think, and, and we saw how they performed against Buffalo in Orchard Park when it was cold, when it was snowing, the whole weather game thing, I, I was kind of buying into that at the beginning of the year. I was thinking, oh, week 17 in Foxborough, that could be that could be interesting. Who knows if the Dolphins are going to be able to hold up against that. Think they're fine. Think they are going to be okay. And once again, you can't guard Tyreek Hill, and you can't guard Jalen Waddell, and they've got a pass rush that can get after you. So again, hard for me to think that the Patriots are going to win that and then you've got the Bills game, which again, if they're if Josh Allen plays in that game, if they play anything resembling their full complement of players, Patriots gonna get smoked. I mean, it just is what it is. They're gonna get whacked. The thing is, look, you want to think to yourself, maybe they'll get it figured out by the end of the year. And I think the defense has played, they, they've played a little bit better than than perhaps expected over the, the past couple of weeks after not looking terribly competitive against the Bills. They're fine, but they can't carry this offense. And this offense is not going to figure it out between now and the end of the year. This offense is what it is. There, there's nothing that's going to happen that is going to dramatically change it. That's it. They're going to be dysfunctional. They're going to make mistakes when they get down to the red zone. They are, they're, they're going to you know, look simplistic. They're going to keep leaning on Ramondre Stevenson because he's all they've got. I mean, this this is just there. There's nothing that is going to meaningfully change on offense to where all of a sudden they're going to be a well-oiled machine and they're going to be scoring 30 points a game. It's not going to happen. With that in mind, and with the knowledge that the defense is is okay, but they're not great. And Matthew Judon has you know kind of been slowing down once again, even though Josh Uche's been picking it up. That's a really encouraging sign. Kyle Duggar's been making game-changing plays for multiple weeks in a row. I mean, there are good things going on on that side of the ball, but it's not enough. It's not enough. And then when you have the special teams, yeah, Marcus Jones was providing a spark there for a little bit, but then when you've got the special teams giving it back with blocked punts and, and just poor execution, this team's not this team's not a playoff team. It's not a playoff team. They don't deserve to make the playoffs, and if they made the playoffs, they would get bounced immediately, whether it's the Chiefs, the Bills, whoever gets that number two seed, what have you. I mean, and, and I'm assuming that the number seven seed is the best that they can do because it probably is the best they can do. So look, this season's got an expiration date and it is coming up. It's most likely coming up three weeks from now. So sorry, Patriots fans. I can't really give you a ton of optimism here. I'm just trying to tell you what to expect so that you're not disappointed. And you know what? Once this is over, I really hope the Patriots do a, an honest self-evaluation about where they are and they make some changes because they tried to run a sequel 
of last year and see if they could duplicate the results, except that they handicapped themselves purposefully, made this worse from themselves, and this is what you get as a result. That's all I got for this one for uh, First in Foxborough. I'm Kyrie Thompson. Thanks for enduring this rant on the Patriots. Once again, we're going to have Tape Tuesday on Mutt at Night tonight. That's Tuesday night. You're going to hear a little bit of that interview on Wednesday morning. And then we're going to get into the Bengals from here on out. See how it goes. See you then.